Welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. Friday night, so all you mentorees are going to get some good news if you haven't already. Judy wrote an amazing thing about what we talked about on Wednesday night. You know, one of the things that I really wanted to preach on that some more today, but I didn't get to, but I just have to say this one snippet that the Holy Spirit told me that every place that he planted truth is um, the answer to any fiery dart that the enemy had pre-planned for you. Because Father's way ahead. Papa's yes. way ahead. Yes. So we're, we're just challenging us to, to live from a place of truth now instead of a place of lies. You can just make that transition with this, I think. We don't have so much tension. and I love... Do you love the tension of God? Uh, Shudi was telling me yesterday that Melissa Helser said that you can't tune an instrument unless it's in tension. But I think it's our response to tension that determines how much tuning we can allow him to do. You know, think about it that the purity of God's creation of you, it didn't have an intention to work through all the crud that we grew up in and dysfunction. Did anybody grow up in any kind of what you would determine unhealthy parenting or another famous word is dysfunction did anybody and how did you come to know it was dysfunction because you were in it there had to be a truth in you that pre-existed your law first mention that you've been hungering to pursue otherwise you'd have just hit repeat it's easier so that's something we're going to be working on in the next little bit and thank you V um so today I I am I'm quite overwhelmed by the weight of his presence today sometimes it's just weightier than others have you ever felt that sometimes it feels easy sometimes it feels like weighty so I'm going to meander through what is on his heart today with you I was reading in um, this alignment book and he was talking about how Bethel has this healing room you know when I when I first went there and um, participated in it that's that I'm good. That gave me that desire to have an encounter room here. And of course, you know, with COVID happened and everything, you know, we had to um, shift that, which, you know, we'll shift back to it soon. But um, he was talking about how that people are always coming to him and saying, hey, how can we build an, a healing room? And 
And he always said that the first question he asked, do you have a culture of healing in your community? You know, as you know, I believe, and we teach around here that salvation was, I mean, Jesus' death on the cross and resurrection was a package deal of salvation and healing. It's not one or the other, but we've done a lot better, can't we agree, in the world maybe, I don't know, at least in this nation, at focusing on salvation because we just wanted to stay out of the hot place. It was a, it was a designed theology for comfort. Just wait a minute for that to wave over you. It's much easier, trust me, to just believe I can say a prayer and live partial commitment without any responsibility of stewarding the healing part. Well, you always have to listen to that later. And so one thing he said was that they decided to do a divine experiment. I just loved that term. I would, I would think that, would, that's in, that encapsulates what I feel about my life. It's just been a divine experiment. You know, I was sitting in the room, you know, with all the mentors the other day, and, you know, Jack Boone, when Kalanda was talking about you, she was weeping because she said that she remembers how you used to be, how different you are now. You know, that kind of fruit, you know, makes me get up every day. You know, I was looking around the room, and I was, I went to bed that night, just saying, oh God, how did my life get to intertwine with these people? See, there's something amazingly powerful about you. You know, I don't, I don't despise small beginnings because I've been involved with big stuff. And I don't despise how, you know, God wants to do it or the timing he wants to do it, you know. Somebody said something to me yesterday about why don't we have more people in the room? And I said, well, that's kind of like me asking God, why am I not taller? That I, I leave all that up to him because, see, the, the, the one thing, if I could just, if I died today and I wish there's one thing that you would remember about my legacy is that I wanted you to hear God for yourself. Yes. Yes. And not only did I want you to hear him, but I wanted you to do what he said. And I think it's really important, you know, if you're going to be involved in a divine experiment, that you realize it's experimental. And some things work and some things don't. And see, if we get hung up on what doesn't work, you know, I love Bill so much because he basically says, if it's not working like the Bible says it's supposed to work, you adjust. He didn't lay it out and say, but no one's going to be able to do this. This is way too lofty, way too hard. So let's just see how small we can live and just miss the hot place. And that's what we'll do with our lives. And, you know, the generation before you, you probably know people, if they did serve God, they probably did do that. Right? They weren't ashamed to say they knew God, but they didn't steward all the elements of what the resurrection afforded to us. 
And so I love that he, this is what he said. He said, we are simply playing with the truth that we know the heavens are open. God's way funner than you think. You know, what would it look like for you to play with the truth? That messes you up a little bit, doesn't it? Because you all kind of went, oh. <laughs> Never thought about that God was so fun that He gave and planted in you truth and unveiled it by the Holy Spirit for you to exercise it in some sort of activity to cause impossible things to change. Why don't you go out and play with it a little bit? Act like it's a booger and you can roll it around. I'm sorry, I always like to talk, because we all have these things, you see. You just poke it on somebody every now and then. Smear it around. See how, it ta- see how they take. Elevator going up or down. See, we've got, God's a little funner than we thought. We're so serious and we have to sound like we have to get all the right words and all the right holy prayer. He's just looking for a son or daughter. He said, they decided we can now come boldly before the throne of grace and we've decided to explore the benefits of such favor. Really answer the question in your life. Are you worried that you'll have the audacity to believe that that favor was meant for you to smear around on the earth. I'm in tension right now, right currently in this room, right now, I'm in tension over a decision that feels too lofty and big. I'm in tension. I love that tension. Lynn provides this tension for me all the time. I'm in tension because why? I want to stay small and she wants to expand. And she always makes me expand in ways that don't make any sense to me. Just to see if I can. And I have found that in my own heart, I see the smallness of my own heart. And I'm like, I want, I mean, I'm wrestling. I'm up in the middle of the night wrestling and wrestling. I'm adding up all the numbers and figuring all the things. And I'm like, I'm wrestling, God. I'm wrestling with expansion. See, that's what God is looking for. He's looking for, it doesn't matter if you wrestle. It's the question is, will you yield? Yeah. You know, when I was reading, can I just talk to you? I am just talking to you. <laughs> I was reading, you know, from John 16 on Wednesday night. And you remember it started out. Get this so I can see. It started out in John 16. He said this, I've told you this. So I had to go back and see what he had told. What did he told? I kept going back. I went back to John 15. He told a whole bunch of stuff there. I went to John 14. He told a bunch of stuff there. I went to John 13. He told a bunch of stuff. I was like, wow, Jesus just told a bunch of stuff. And remember what he said, I told you this. I told you all of John, he's just so good this way. I told you all of John 15. I told you all of John 14. I told you all, did you know in John 13 was where he washed their feet? 
That was the beginning of the beginning of the telling. He was beginning to show them that was the posture first of their heart. How low can you get? Because in that place of lowness, he knew he could say John 16. He said the same thing in John 14. Do not surrender to fear. That word is yield. But the interesting thing in John 15, he said that we're branches. If you look that word up in the Greek, it is a flexible thing. That's why it's so easy for us to bend to fear. But see, the key to everything in life is John 15, where you abide. It's about where you abide, because let me tell you what, John, abiding equals continually present. You have to check your own self. See, I remember a day where I wasn't continually present in his presence. I remember where I would go all day and not think about it because I was busy. I was busy. I was earning me some rent money, the thing he said he'd provide. I was busy. And I remember it began to shift where half the day I would be so aware of his presence. And then another quarter of the day, another quarter until all day. And then I remember it would be at night, I'd wake up and I'd be in his presence. I woke up so many times last night, probably 25 times last night, just praying. You know, that tension in our lives is not a bad thing. We, it's, it's created to make us lean. You know, fear is the same kind of tension. And you should tell by the fruit of your life. Do you have more fear or do you have more love? It means you're leaning one way or the other. Yes. It's real easy to see. And I love, we, are, we were made by God to be a tender, flexible branch. Yes. See, the vine is the stable entity. He made us flexible so that we can be grafted in. See, that's the, isn't that really the tension? Will I remain independent in my thinking, in my relationships, in my pursuit of my destiny? Will I remain independent or will I engraft? Because guess what? I'm the flexible one. He's the stable one. We want it to be the other way around, don't we? We want to make a bunch of plans and do a bunch of things and he flex over and secure up. But see, it's not that way because we, we have to adjust our thinking. You know, I was reading this week in, in Ephesians 4. And there's a statement in Ephesians 4. And here's the statement. You ready? When all immaturity ends, I heard all the people shout hallelujah. And I asked him, I said, why is everyone so afraid of immaturity? What is immaturity? I looked it up. I think I'm going to throw your mind off a little today. Immaturity, maturity means powerful. 
I know y'all thought it meant something else. So when all immaturity ends, Ephesians 4 talks about it. Let's read it, shall we? We have a little time. So hard for me not to read that whole thing. Let's just start in verse one. <laughs> As the prisoner of the Lord, I plead with you to walk holy in a way that is suitable to your high rank. When I was in the shower this morning, I heard that statement start a government in my name, form a government in my name. You know, I heard that line from the crown. You know, that's one of the things that the queen always says to the prime minister when they come to visit her for, will you form a government in my name? Kiss the ring. Bam, you're done, right? But see, think about it. That's what God's saying to you. The keys to the kingdom are governmental. I don't care if you understand what that means right now. I remember the first time someone asked me what governmental structure did I believe the theologically, and I was like, I've never seen SpongeBob, but I think he does this. <laughs> I'm about to read to you the government structure we believe around here. What? And see, the thing of it is you have to understand that in a governmental structure, that you have access to, that you have the keys. That means that you have the keys that causes it to go on. It can't be you decide what you unlock and what you lock up. I don't think y'all got that, but... Walk holy in a way that is suitable to your high rank, given to you in your divine calling. We're in a divine experiment with our divine calling. This means that this is not a calling from your parents. You know, I was watching this just about 10 minutes of this thing the other night, and it's on this college scandal. It's on, I think it's on Netflix or something, where, where all these people got arrested. And I thought, I don't even know what that's about. Did you, real, did you know that in this country, people who want their children to go to a really high-ranking school like Princeton or Yale, they're giving $25 and $50 million buying an entrance, guaranteed entrance. That's going on in this country right now as we speak. Why? Why has, why ha has the education at a university become so exalted and the education in the kingdom is nothing when the kingdom of God is what is going to take over? Why? Because it's another way that the enemy has hoodwinked us to pursue something that has no value to what will last for eternity. Million. Think of what we could do with a little bit of that. Somebody needs to call. I'm I'm calling that in. Yes. 
So walk holy in a way that I'm still first one suitable to your high rank, given to you in your divine calling. I'm going to read fast. With tender humility and quiet patience, always demonstrate gentleness and generous love toward one another, especially those who may try your patience. We're not preaching on that. Be faithful to guard the sweet harmony of the Holy Spirit among you in the bonds of peace, being one body, one spirit, as you were all called into the same glorious hope of divine destiny. That's why he started today with saying, hey, listen, I didn't tell you to link up and be partners with people that are in rebellion. Quit looking back at people from your past and saying, if only you'll miss what's going on right now. You won't invest. For the Lord God is one, and so are we. For we share in one faith, one baptism, one Father. And He's the perfect Father who leads us all work and works through us all and lives in us all. Cool, right? He has generously given, generously given each one of us supernatural grace according to the size of the gift of Jesus. I know y'all thought it was according to the size of you. It's not. He's using a different measurement for size. Do we, can we receive that? Yes. He ascends into the heavenly heights, taking many of his captured ones with him, and gifts were given to men. Are you men? Yes. In the Passion Translation, he actually says you're the gift. Which goes along with what we said Wednesday night. If you've already become, if you've already came equipped with truth, another thing you've come equipped with two things is power and gifts. If you don't utilize those, let's, let's just use those three things, and we have so much in us. But if we let's just talk about this truth, this power, and, and this gift. Sorry. If we don't utilize those for the kingdom, they can't expand within us. So it makes no difference if the Holy Spirit unveiled the truth. If you don't take that truth out and knock down that, remember that tiny little sword the enemy uses? Do you understand the heart of Jesus was that they wouldn't contend with the enemy's tactics? Right? It says he ascended, he ascended means that he returned to heaven after he had first descended from the heights of heaven, even to the lower regions, and namely the earth. The same one who descended is also the one who ascended above the heights of the heaven in order to begin the restoration and fulfillment of all things. That just tells us what Jesus did when he died on the cross and rose again, okay? I'm not preaching on that. You can go back and read it later. Verse 11, here it is. And he's appointed... Some with grace to be apostles, and some with grace to be prophets, and some with grace to be evangelists, and some with grace to be pastors, and some with grace to be teachers. And their calling is to nurture and prepare all the holy believers. you got to be a believer for these gifts to work on you. If you're a non-believer, if you're a pre-believer, your first entrance exam is do you accept Jesus? All this stuff comes after the doorway of Jesus. Don't try 
to tell people that don't even need Jesus all about their spiritual gifts and their destiny. They will not understand it. They will take that and twist that around and make it be something else. And you, They're better at that than you. So they're calling us to nurture and prepare all the holy believers to do their own works and ministry. Did you hear that? Their own works. You got your own. Right? That should tell us that the works are not just going on inside the church. It should. And as they do this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ as they do what? Their own works. These grace ministries will function until we all attain oneness into the faith. Until, another until, we all experience the fullness of what it means to know the Son of God. In the Passion, he says, until we have the full knowledge of the Son of God. So that tells us what? Our knowledge of who Jesus is is always expanding. Yeah. Yes. Right? Yes. Yes. And finally, we become one into a perfect man. Listen to this. In the Passion, he says, the word perfect implies that perfection cannot come to the body of Christ without the example and teachings of these five ministries. To ignore these five ministry gifts of the ascended Christ for today is to despise the gifts that God has given to the church. I was reading yesterday about religions that don't believe in Jesus or the Holy Spirit. And I was thinking, well, no wonder. We've got all kinds of buildings, really nice ones. There's one they just built by my house. They all hide out in their white cars on the east side of the building. And there's not a welcome sign out there. Because I'm, I'm pretty sure it's by, by, um, by application only. I'm sure you have to apply there. They don't believe in the Holy Spirit. They don't even believe Jesus. They just think Jesus was a fine man. They're missing out on the whole thing. They even wrote their own Bible. Isn't that cool? I'm like thinking, how can you call it Bible if it's not the Bible? I don't know. (laughs) Finally become one into a perfect man with the full dimensions of spiritual maturity. Let's change the word spiritual maturity. Power. Spiritual power. See, that's what we have to realize, that this thing called maturing is actually just an unveiling of what's already there and learning how to use it. Learning how to empower it for its intended purpose. Do you see that? with the full dimension of spiritual maturity and fully developed into the abundance of Christ. Verse 14, and then our immaturity will end. And he even put an exclamation mark there. He was thrilled it was going to end too. I love that because he says, when your maturity ends, immaturity ends, 
will not be easily shaken by trouble, nor led astray by novel teachings or false doctrines of deceivers who teach clever lies. But instead, we will remain strong and always sincere in our love as we express the truth. Where's this truth coming from? From the divine encourager. Remember, that's what Jesus said. Let's go back. Let's go back and look at, at John 15. He says, I'm the true sprouting vine, and the farmer who tends the vine is my father. He cares for the branches connecting, connected to me by lifting up and propping up the fruitless branches. Aren't you glad he didn't cut those off? I love it. It says, the Greek, this is a passion translation. The Greek phrase can also be translated as he takes up to himself every fruitless branch. He doesn't remove these branches, but he takes them to himself. As the wise and loving farmer, he lifts them up off the ground to enhance their growth. Are you in the ground lifting phase? See, I think some of us, we get nervous about what phase we're in. It feels a certain way. Sometimes he's just taking you into himself. Sometimes he's sending you out. We get nervous if we're not always in the sent out phase. Your life is developing these things all at different times. And so let's don't be nervous. Maybe your spiritual gift is a little bit less powerful than it needed to be. And so he's got to lift you up and he's got to encourage you. He's got to do something with you, for you, to prove himself to you. But then there comes a time where you know all this and you're going to have to wield the sword of the spirit. You're going to have to wield the truth. You're going to have to know the truth and you're going to have to live by it. And every area in our life is constantly going through transformation in all those ways. It's not. It's like the perfect golf shot. When you get everything white and you hit it just right, you're like, sweet, I'm a professional golfer. <laughs> right? I love this. He says, in this context, Christ, this is still the Passion Translation commentary, Christ's endless love for his disciples on the last night of his life on earth seems to emphasize God's love even for those who fail and disappoint him. That's why we're so scared of failure. Is that someone didn't know how to demonstrate to us that we could fail and still be loved. You can frustrate somebody and still keep your love on. You don't have to be mad. You can get hurt and you actually don't have to be mad about it. You can actually realize it's so, he's lifting up something in you. He's, he's encouraging something in you. He's maturing something in you. He's making something in you more powerful. Yeah. Let's start. Ch let's change the word and acting like it's some horrible thing that I'm immature and just say, wow, you're not very powerful there, are you? Do you want to be more powerful? I mean, let me show you a way. You're going to have to do something different than you're currently doing because your current doing produces this lack of power. So change what you're doing so you can have more power. You know, I got, I, I was looking this morning. Let's, let's go back there, okay? In 2 Timothy 1, it says, For God didn't even give you the spirit of fear, but the Holy Spirit who gives you mighty power, love and self-control. Listen to this. That he says, that is, he didn't give you the spirit to fear men. The fear of God prevents us from fearing others. So see, God wants to set you up. He wants to give you an experience to see if you fear man or fear God. I talked to somebody yesterday and they were crying because they have, they had a fear of man. 
They had a fear of people sitting in the car with a grandbaby. They just had fear. And so they were crying. And I was like, hey, come on. Come on, you're a powerful woman. Do a powerful thing. Set a powerful boundary. Do a powerful thing. You're 28 freaking years old. Right? So how old? And, and see, that's all we have to do. We have to exert our power in the place where he gives us a chance to see it different. Yes. See, what happens is we have those experiences and we try to hide them under a bushel. No, that's our light. No, we, we don't hide that. We just say, okay, this is what I did right here. This is what happened. Help me. I was so proud that they called and said, help me, Jesus. Help me, Tisa. I can help you with that. See, that's the moment right in that moment to change how I feel. He did not give you the spirit of fear. You were taught that, modeled that. That's why Jesus said, don't yield to it. Because Jesus knew that if we yielded to fear, we were outside the abiding process. And our little flexible, tender branch is not meant to operate outside the engrafted process. Listen to me. It is not meant to operate outside where he's grafted you. He said, but the Holy Spirit, I love this, gives you mighty power, love, and self-control. If you look at that self-control, it means instruction. Self-control equals instruction. Just like maturity equals power. Let's just get the right definitions. If we're going to use the book, let's get the right definitions of this book. Not some previous generation's definition of the scared to stiffless book. So the Holy Spirit gave you mighty power, love, and the ability to receive instruction. He gives you instruction. He sends the instruction through different ways. Let's just don't act like this. It's going to be this audible voice from God. Remember what I said a couple of weeks ago that Bill said, there's a difference between knowing his voice and what he said and what he's saying. Why does it change from said to saying? Because you're changing. Right now, God speaks to you in a certain way according to what He knows you will successfully do. See, He came to judge the world. And see, when we hear that word judge, we think, oh my gosh, He's going to find out all my stuff. No, to judge the purity of your heart. So you'll know. We got... See, he, did, he came to prove to you what's actually in you that he made in you. You're all the time trying to talk him into something else. I'm no good at that, God. Well, I, I kind of think you're good at it. That's why I'm giving you a chance right here. I'm no good at managing my money. Well, let me just hook you up with Lynn. She'll get you right on the track of managing your money. Before you know it, you got houses and cars and paying for other people's Christmas presents instead of just hoping you had something for yourself. I love this, 1 Corinthians 4.20. The kingdom of God is not a realm of grandiose talking. It's a realm of power. It's a realm of power. Do you understand? Just like you have truth in you, this Holy Spirit has power in you. What if He unveiled to you the power behind who you are? I think it'd scare most of y'all. Y'all be like, whoa, that can't be me. 
That can't be me. Ephesians 3 says, And I pray that He would unveil within you the unlimited riches of His glory. Another thing that's veiled. Remember I said Adam came to the planet unveiled. You came to the planet veiled. That's why you have to do John 16. The involvement of the Holy Spirit to the degree that you will let Him. He will rip off that thing and unveil all that's in you. Right here. Unlimited riches of His glory and favor. That's just Y'all should go crazy right there. In you is just a veiled look by you of what He has put in you. It's unlimited. That sounds like a lot to me. See, how would He expand you personally to know more unlimitedness? It's happening to me right now. He's trying to expand. He uses the strangest ways, like things I wouldn't pick. Like that kind of makes me uncomfortable. That's what I want to say to him. That's making me a little bit uncomfortable. Right? It has to make, it's offending your smallness. It has to make you uncomfortable because you've developed this small, 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 small mindset. Let me finish that verse. And I pray that he would unveil within you the unlimited riches of his glory and favor until, so that sounds like it's a process, until supernatural strength floods your innermost being with his divine might and explosive power. That's some big words. (laughs) What would you do with God's divine might and explosive power? Would you be able to see the greater reality and change some weather and change some diseases? Would you, if you're going to want to heal people, you have to develop a healing culture within yourself. You have to say, this is off limits. This is off limits. You know, I love that guy in the feeler book. He says, you know, when he begins to pick up on this certain thing in people, his left eye hurts. Well, just think if he went to the doctor every time his left eye hurt. Do you understand that? How would you want God to indicate to you that something's going on in somebody else? Would you want him to just ride it on them? Right? How would you, if you were God, tell humanity, hey, Pam, this person over here, their left arm's hurting. And you, oh, my left arm. Oh, oh, damn, left arm. Oh, okay, left arm. Right? Because why? You're trying to exercise this explosive power. The person that has the left arm hurting, they're not trying to exercise that. Um, Never doubt, verse 20, God's mighty power. This is Ephesians 3.20. Never doubt. Say to your neighbor, never doubt. Stop doubting. Say it like that. Stop doubting. It's just time to stop doubting. We're never going to do the experiment. We're never going to conduct the experiment if we doubt. We're never going to try to stick two liquids together, see if they blow up or not. It's not risky to experiment with divine power. Listen, it's never risky to experiment with divine power because it lives in you. And guess what? 
that person you're trying to minister to, they actually have divine power living in them. It's just so veiled. They've just agreed with lupus more than they have the divine power. They went to the doctor and said, hey, doctor, this hurts. And they said, well, you must have lupus. Well, you must have this. Well, you must have that. Well, people your age. Well, your family members. Oh, well, your background. That's My background is heaven. I don't know what your background is. I came from heaven and there is no sickness there. And I'm on earth trying to create a place where there's no unsafe people and nobody's sick. That's my territory. I don't know what you're doing, but that's what I'm doing. And so then if stuff comes by, I don't want to partner with it. I want to say, get out. I want to tell the Holy Spirit, okay, if you're going to use me to make my left eye hurt when somebody has cancer, then be sure and inform me of it. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all of this. Let's face it, where are we doubting? That really is what's going on. We hear this and we're like, yeah, 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 yeah. And we run into somebody and they get, man, I've got four days to live. And we're like, maybe Jesus is ready for them in heaven now. We've all done that. Maybe it's their time to go. Right? Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request. Now, see, God doesn't respond to those fearful begging prayers. Help them. They're in pain. Oh, help me. Help me. Help me. Help me. He's like, you've got keys, you've got authority, you've got power, you've got truth. What does it look like to operate with that? None of that whining stuff. People whine and stop whining. Don't use that whiny voice with me. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream. And exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. So see, we we unveiled the truth on Wednesday. Now you can believe this different. I've read all these scriptures to you lots of times. (laughs) Is anyone hearing them new today? Why? Because that thing got unveiled. That smallness got thrown off. Okay, we're going back. I just that was free. That was a sidebar. I'm in um, John 15. What did I just do? Verse one? Is that all I did? Yeah. No, I'm on propping. So by lifting him up and propping up the fruitless branches and pruning, is that a negative or positive for you? Guess what the definition of that in the book is? Cleansing. Please, Papa, come prune. Come on. That's so different, right? You thought I was cutting off something valuable, didn't you? Oh, my gosh. I just had that one piece of grape. I mean, how's it? You going to cut that thing off? I mean, this is the only grape I have. I mean, if you have a problem with pruning, cleansing, read about grapes. We had grapes once. Just once. Read about them. I mean, you want things to multiply, you've got to get some pruning going on. Yes. 
You got to prune off that little smallness. If I can help you with that, your mentor can help you with that. God can help you with that. There's all kinds of opportunity. If you don't present it to anybody, hey, here's one thing, because you're probably thinking it's really big and powerful, exceedingly abundantly more than you could ever ask or think. It's probably something this big. They're like, hey, you're kind of thinking small. I mean, I'm pretty sure when Lynn and Haley went to look at cars the first time, I don't think she thought she was going to end up with Betty. I mean, I really don't. I don't think. But but days before, I mean, it was probably a week ahead of time, Lynn had told me that her car, she's like, I can't have her spend that much money on that on that car. And uh, I was like, right, yeah, that's that's not, let's don't spend any more money on that, right? She's a hole she's been throwing money into. I was driving you can ask Mendel, through this gas station, I said, that's the car Haley's going to get right there. And guess what? I wasn't just looking for that car, though. I was like, I was open. I was helping Lynn. We were looking at all these different cars. But it's the very car. <laughs> Why? Because God knew what he wanted to give her. Yes! It, was, it was beyond her wildest dreams. Yes! She, got, she got to go to the BMW place and be all fancified and everything. She got to see her next car. Mm-hmm. Prunes or cleanses every fruitful branch. Oh, that's so scary, isn't it? You know how long you worked on that fruit and he comes by and goes, ding. Have you had that happen yet? Anybody had that happen yet? That is nerve-wracking, isn't it? Surely. I mean, like, don't you hate it when you go get tape and try to tape it back in? You know what I'm saying? They're trying to make it happen, you know? Do you see what I'm saying? No. To yield a greater harvest. This is you he's talking about. The words I have spoken over you have already cleansed you. Isn't that cool? We're already cleansed. We're already pruned. So you must remain in life union with me, grafted in me, for I remain in life union with you. See, that's a cool thing about God. He's always in the same place. He's always in the same place. You can move around. Have you worked on something last year and you saw it come around again this year? And you're like, I thought I had that down. Anybody? Well, guess what? He remained the same. You didn't stay grafted in. You didn't know it. But here it came again. You're like, gosh, man, the same thing. Anybody had that happen? That's what happened right here. He says, for as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to mine. That sounds like a choice to me. Don't you love it? He tells us, hey, you ain't going to get no fruit without me. I being grafted into me, being unindependent is what produces the thing your life was meant to produce. See, he made you to produce this kind of fruit, this spiritual fruit. He says, I'm the sprouting vine. You're my branches as you live in union with me as your source. He's just saying it again another way. Fruitfulness will stream from within. That's where it all comes from. That's why he says to manage your heart. It's all coming from within. It's not an outward thing. Will it eventually come on the outside? Yes, but the source is inward. See, 
it's revealed where your true source is when pressure comes. If you're not grafted in, the pressure of life will prove itself out in what you what you do when you're panicked. Just see when a low pressure comes and just take a little snapshot of how you feel on the inside, what your actions are doing, what is the phone's first phone call you make, what's it, how long it many days it takes you to get back to normal. Just take a little snapshot. He says, but when you live separated from me, you're powerless or immature. Isn't that cool? If a person is separated from me, he's discarded. Such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire and they'll be burned. But if you live in life union with me, and if your words live powerfully within you, then you will ask whatever you desire and it will be done. Wow. That word ask, it says demand or insist. Come boldly. We're a little nervous. It sounds a little bit. Oh my gosh. God has given us a lot of latitude. I love what Shudi wrote in her little thing the other day. She was just like, basically, living small is just easier. Not as much required. But it's unsatisfying. At least. It's unfulfilling. It says, when your lives bear abundant fruit, you'll demonstrate that you are my mature disciples who glorify the Father. My Father. Do you understand that God is trying to do something in you for you to be a demonstration? Not to be popular, not to be famous, to be a demonstrator. You know those people at Sam's that are demonstrating food? And you come by, you know, that's a demonstrator. I got something here. Have you ever gone by one and they're like, oh, man, you should try this. This is so good. Everything in you is like, what? I think I better try it. I mean, like, right? Or somebody's over there going, and they just, yeah, you want something? And you're like, I don't want anything they have. That's a demonstrator. Are you demonstrating? My life is really poopy right now. Or you're like, man, I got some I'm serving up. Oh, I don't know if you want. I don't know. Do you want this? I don't know. (laughs) He says, I love each of you with the same love that the Father loves me. Wow. You must continually let my love nourish your hearts. That just tells us where we get nourishment right there from his love, right? Not from Oreos, from his love. If you keep my commands, you will live in my love just as I have kept my father's commands. For I continually live nourished and empowered by his love. That's why it's so important to constantly have love encounters with the father. Because it's empowering. It's so important to acknowledge and appreciate and be grateful for the Holy Spirit every day. I'm thank you, Holy Spirit. I receive all your power today. I operate in your power today. It's an acknowledgement that you are aware that's going on in you. Then I become a partner of it. He says, my purpose for telling you these things 
is so that the joy I experience will fill your hearts with overflowing gladness. Just think about this dude. It was joyful for him to die on the cross. That shows you how he was so much more aware of the greater picture. He said, if I fulfill this one act that was made by my father, all these children will be grafted into me. I don't know about you. I just love that picture. Well, I don't have time to read the rest of that. Y'all read the rest of that, okay? And so verse 16, you didn't choose me, but I've chosen you and commissioned you to go into the world and bear fruit. I love it. He said, in the Passion, he said, this could mean to go on into maturity, into power, into character, to go into the world. He's, I love it. He says, and your fruit will last because whatever you ask, he said again, whatever you ask in my, in my father, whatever you ask of my father for my sake, he will give it to you. So this is my parting command. Love one another deeply. It's so funny that that's, he's talking about a vine and fruit and asking. And then he said, here's my final command. It didn't sound optional to me. See, loving others is inconvenient. It stretches you. It it does something internally to you to love without limits. See, I, I, I wrote this little thing this morning. I got up really early and I said this. I said, I believe that God created man to have a relationship with him now and forever. That, that this life is training ground to rule and reign with Jesus and his bride in the new Jerusalem on earth. I believe that we are to make earth look like the model in Acts. Mainly, no needs among them. God specifically designed a family of God for you. And in that family, you have operational design. You can displant yourself into all kinds of families, but the one that Papa planned for you and planted you in, in the family of his design, you will have this full operational authority. So here's what that means. If we, do we have time? What time is it? Oh yeah, heck yeah. Let's turn. Yeah. <laughs> Heck yeah. <laughs> Let's jump over to. Uh, I'm, I'm looking. Hold on. Ephesians. No, wait. That's not it. Hold on. I gotta find my verse. Oh. Surely I wrote it down. Sorry, I have 500 scriptures, so that's why I'm having a hard time finding it. Hold on. Here it is. 1 Corinthians 12. So this is what it says. It says, My fellow believers, I don't want you to be confused about spiritual realities, for you know full well that when you were unbelievers, you were often led astray in one way or another by your worship of Worldly stuff. That's idols. Worldly stuff, right? Do you remember those days? Got confused, right? Isn't it funny how leading... God's the only one that brings about 
peace of mind, lack of confusion, right? This is, which were incapable of talking to you. Don't you love that? Therefore, I want to impart to you an understanding of the following. No one speaking by the Spirit of God would ever say Jesus is a cursed one. No one can say Jesus is the Lord Yahweh unless the Holy Spirit is speaking through him. It is the same Holy Spirit who continues to distribute, distribute many different varieties of gifts. The Lord Yahweh is one, and he is the one who apportions to believers different varieties of ministries. The same God distributes different kinds of miracles that accomplish different results through each believer's gift in ministry as he energizes and activates them. Each believer is given continuous continuous revelation by the Holy Spirit to benefit not just himself, but all. So he quotes this from... Isaiah 11, he says, The Spirit gives to one the gift, the word of wisdom. And so I love in the Passion, he says, This message, this is called the message. In the Greek, it's logos. It says, This is a revelation gift of the Holy Spirit to impart an understanding of strategy. You're going to fall into one of these categories if you can hear me today. I probably will talk about this again. But so this is, this is, uh, we're talking about the spiritual giftings of the Holy Spirit who are, is operational in you. Yes, yes. Part of the thing that we're doing right now in this tribe is we're trying to actually locate and understand how our spiritual gifts work. Right. That's why somebody, we're reading the book about the feeler because we know there's some feelers in here. We know there's some people that aren't feelers that think they're feelers, that they just really hell of a lot of feelings, but that's not a gift. Right. There's a difference between having feelings and it being a gift of the Holy Spirit. And see, the thing of it is, if you're trying to use just some random thing that you have and you want the Holy Spirit to use it, He can't use something that isn't a gift from Him for you. This is a revelation gift of the Holy Spirit to impart an understanding of strategy and insight that only God can give. Who? Don't don't raise your hands. (laughs) You'll just mess me up because if you raise your hand and I know it's not you, then I'll have to say. But no. (laughs) So who thinks that they have this important gift of the Holy Spirit? It is the gift of revelation gift. It it actually tells you strategy and insight that only God would know. In other words, this isn't like you read the news and then the next day you're like, man, I had a dream about what I just read in the newspaper. But I didn't tell anybody I read that in, on the internet. I just had a dream about it. No, you just read that on the internet. So don't, that's not it. It's not the same. Right? This is something you have no knowledge of. It's revelatory. It's timely. It's straight from God. You didn't go to some news source or some other prophetic voice somewhere across the country and tell me what they said. That's great and it's encouraging, but that's not what he's talking about. And see, we have to learn that we're those other people that are spattered around sending messages on the internet. You're them. You may not be sending it on the internet yet. You're practicing it in this little location. But that you're the, you've got the same God. Yes. And if you don't learn to develop it yourself, you're going to go to all these other ministries and get them to confirm what's on you. And he, it doesn't work that way. So spend some time with the Holy Spirit and say, do I have this? It says, 
this is more than just simply wisdom, but it's clearly crafted word of wisdom to unlock the hearts of people and free the corporate body to move forward under God's direction. This gift will express the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, not man. I know this is a lot, but you can listen to it later. The best examples of this gift were Jesus when he saw Nathaniel under the fig tree and he knew his character, that there is no guile in him. Remember when he said that? And when Jesus spoke to the woman at the well and unlocked her heart and said, go get your husband, right? So that is the word of wisdom. This word of revelation is strategic to unlock hearts. Don't use it to get a new car. It's not for this. Right? It's strategic, straight from God to unlock hearts. And that says to another, the same spirit gives, see, the reason why I'm talking about this today, let me just preface it, is because we just unveiled these truths in you. These truths are these gifts. One, I mean, there's many things, but this is one of the things, the operational thing of the Holy Spirit, is that I want to empower it. I want to mature it. I want to say, I think I might have that. I really need to investigate, and I need to spend some time, like 15 years. Come on. I need to spend 15 years. Act like, don't t- come to me and say, I've been working on this for two days. Come on. No. You need it's a 15 year deal. Let's just say that because then that'll blow your mind. Are you going to strategically work on your gift that the Holy Spirit placed in you for 15 years just to use it for 10 minutes? See, we all want the 10 minute and get to use it for 100 years. We got that reversed. See, He wants. See, He wants to trust what He planted in you. And he won't give you more than you stirred. But if you will steward it, I'm telling you, there's people in this room who have been stewarding this gift and it is flourishing. Cheryl is one of them. She has been stewarding, stewarding, stewarding. And so what's happening? Truth and truth and truth in this spirit of wisdom. I'm sure she's sitting at home going, bang, I didn't even know I knew that. I mean, I've been watching this, been watching this show. and Oh, it's just like it comes to me. I didn't even know I knew it. It was always in there. I saw it. I breathed on it. I put lit a fire and kept torching it and blowed everything up that was so small. But see, she never woke up one day and said, okay, this is just who I am, Teresa. Make room for me. See, that's happening for a lot of y'all. See, he's wanting you to practice it. There's other people that are practicing it. Give, okay, another one. The gift of word of the revelation knowledge. Let me just go to the passion guy. He says this is the same gift. Is this Logos gift, the revelation knowledge. He says that the Holy Spirit's impartation through an impression or a vision or his voice that gives understanding of a person or situation that cannot be known through the natural mind of man. It may be exercised in prayer, even of healing. This revelation knowledge is seen in Saul's healing of blindness and Peter's revelation about Cornelius. It says the word of revelation knowledge could also include knowing facts that are unknown to you, such as names, dates, events to come. So there's another word of wisdom, revelation knowledge. You see, they're very similar, but they're different. Don't forget their purpose. See, you understand, the ache... The ache of the Holy Spirit is that I will move my gifts towards His motivation. 
unfortunately, because we, we have thought that these gifts were about us, proving that we are close to God. Clearly, this has nothing to do with how close to God you are. He put these in you before you determined if you're close to God. But let me tell you, sister, you are not going to be able to use this gift if you're not close to Him. Because the impulses of its movement are from His heart, not yours. Are you with me? Yes. To another, the gift of faith. He says, this is the supernatural power of faith released in a believer to do miracle works of God on earth. You know, in Psalms, I think it's, I want to say it's 103 or 4 or 2. Anyway, it says that we're going to make songs of the miracles. Miracles, I love, the, I think I said a few weeks ago that Christy was saying when someone prophetically paints, every brush stroke is a musical note that there's an orchestra in heaven that plays a song based on every brush stroke that a believer paints prophetically. I mean, I think there's stuff going on in heaven about what we're doing that we've kind of been a little oblivious to. Like, well, let me just get that eye good. No, come on, sing something right there. Come on. You're just actually, you're just did a, you composed a whole song with that eye. We're, aren't we funny how we think we know what we're doing and it's so cutting edge, right? Gifts of healing. This supernatural power of God released through the believers to heal the sick. Uh, works miracles. It sounds all the same. This includes the divine ability to steal a storm, feed a multitude, walk on water, cast out demons, turn water to wine, 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 raise the dead. This gift was one of the distinctive marks of an apostle. The gift of prophecy says this, is a, this gift is a supernatural ability given by the Holy Spirit to speak the word of God in proclamation and at times in predicting the future. This is one gift that every believer should desire and never despise. It says discern what the Spirit is speaking. This gift imparts divine discernment to know if a prophetic message is from the Holy Spirit or from a human or demonic source. Discernment is greatly needed in the church today to hear the voice of the Lord and clearly to know when defilement is attempting to enter the assembly. And speaking in tongues and interpretation of tongues, it says, tongues, verse 11, I'm about done. Remember, it is the same Holy Spirit who distributes, activates, and operates these different gifts as He chooses... For each believer, it says the spiritual gifts are given by the Holy Spirit at any time to anyone He chooses. See, that's why it's so important to realize that you're part of a family. It says just as a human body is one, verse 12, though it has many parts that are together to form one body, so too is Christ. For by one Spirit we are all immersed and mingled into one single body. That's why you can't compare. Because then you're just hating on your own body. Like, see, whenever we elevate one person's gifts because we're judging them and judging us and it's not equal, then we're hating on how God set up the body to operate. So that means you're out of your place. Have you ever been 
at a company and and somebody wasn't in their place, not your judgment of them not being in their place, but they really, the boss told them something. <laughs> that, was a, that was a bad example. The boss told them something and then you knew they weren't in, your pl- in their place. Well, how do you feel about that? Well, that's how the Holy Spirit feels. When you're comparing and you're like, has anybody felt that at work? Like somebody wasn't in their place, anybody at all? Gwen, come on, get your hand up. I know you felt it. Okay, there you go. <laughs> See, that's how the Holy Spirit, you're just getting a feeling of how the Holy Spirit feels. That's all you're doing. He's just saying, that's exactly how I feel when all of y'all are just out running around and I got all these gifts in you and nobody will exercise it. Come on. I had to do Oh, that was great. Thank you, Tisa. Such a fun message and such a powerful message. Don't you love when he changes our definitions of things? It's so powerful. Speaking of maturity, powerful. So, yes, thank you, Tisa. I just really appreciate you that you always press through all of the tension and the things that are uncomfortable or maybe have you um, stretching in the expansion process at night that you still press through to bring us the word so that we can benefit from it and continue to grow. Benton, can you throw that picture up there? Um, I, I didn't know what Tisa was going to teach on today, but yesterday I happened to be sitting outside in my chair and I just thought this was kind of fun to share, but I was sitting outside in my backyard and I don't know if you've probably heard me talk before about this big, beautiful tree that's huge in my backyard. Well, it was, you know, torn up in that ice storm. And so all of these big branches broke off and some of them, the neighbor was able to go and, and, you know, cut them down the rest of the way where you can see there's some cut branches, but there's some other branches that he couldn't quite get to. So they're just still hanging down and they're these huge, massive branches. And so there's new growth starting, as you can see. And I feel like it was just a prophetic picture even of what Tisa was going to talk about today. And so I was I was just laying back in my chair looking up at that and I thought, gosh, you know, it's so ugly, those big branches that are hanging down, they're cut off. You know, they're cut off from from the vine. They're not growing anything. Everything else is turning green and getting really pretty and starting to get really full again. Um, but then there's those dead branches that aren't nothing's happening with them. But then you've got these places where this was a, I mean, some major branches broke off here. You can see how full the tree is at the, below it. But look at how much new growth there is on the part that was cut, that was pruned. It was pruned back. And I was just amazed at how much new growth was, was blooming there. And I just thought that was a really cool picture to share. And, you know, that that redefining process, getting our definitions renewed, I would say, is an example of that pruning. Um, I was, yesterday I decided to look up my dog's name in the dictionary. (laughs) This is how I spent my day. And uh, looking at trees and looking at my dog's name in the dictionary. Um, So it turns out she's from Italy. Her ditto is an Italian word originally, so I've decided that she's slightly Italian. Um, so that was fun. But on the dictionary's webpage, I saw this little article come across, and it was a, a little article that one of the editors would do about debating how you say phrases properly. Like, 
Do you say nip it in the bud or nip it in the butt? Kind of, you know, these are things people use. And I thought that it was interesting because every single one of those that I looked at, she said, this is an example of an egg corn. What in the world is an egg corn? An egg corn is a word somebody made up or because that instead of acorn, because like an acorn's like an egg for an oak tree. So they started calling it an egg corn. I don't know. So now it's apparently a thing. And she was saying, this editor was saying, this is an example of a phrase or word that you can use wrongly, basically, but it still kind of conveys the right message. I'm, I'm so opposed to that. I'm just telling you, my melon side was like, no, 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 no. These are English words, and they have a right definition and a wrong definition, and they have a proper use and an improper use. And <laughs> I just say that really to be funny, but those definitions, I'm telling you, Jesus is not a fan of egg corns either, okay? He meant what he said. He meant what he said in the Bible, and it has been twisted by people who come up with things like egg corns over time, <laughs> and they just decide, let's just say the word egg corn instead of acorn from now on, and it'll get passed down through the generations, and people will run with it, and then we'll teach it in our schools. You know, things like that happen. But just saying, this is why it's so important for us to go through the pruning process and really welcome the redefining of things that we thought we knew, the, the definitions that we thought we had down and we were kind of operating with them without even giving a second thought to it. And the Holy Spirit is so good, so good to do that for us. And I'll just share with you yesterday, another process that I was going through was I was asking him to... Um, I had this, this tension, I guess we, could, we can go with the tension word, in, inside me, and I was trying to figure out what was going on and what the situation was, and I had this desire, and I knew the desire was a good desire, but yet it was leading me into um, fear and different things. So I was like, something's not right, because I have a good desire, good intentions, but it's leading me all the time to trip up in this way, so I must be off somewhere. And so my process, which I would just recommend to you, it really worked well for me yesterday, is first I just told the enemy to get out. I said, you can't capitalize on this. Even if I have a wrong definition, you can't capitalize on this, so just get out. And I, I said, my intentions are good, so get out of the way, enemy. Just get off. Get out. You can't be here. And then I invited the Holy Spirit in. I used my power there. See, I used my power to cleanse that off. And then I said, Holy Spirit, come and show me what is off. Show me what you need to show me because I know you're, you're wanting to tell me something about this. And it was a really cool process that he showed me some um, hidden motives, I mean, really deep down in there that had um, twisted some definitions for me. And it was really powerful, and it's something I'm still... I'm still unlocking and still trying to process, but it was amazing how much um, and how deep he went to a root, um, a root issue that I never would have connected to that, to what was the desire. And so, um, you know, just wanting to say that we can actually, we don't have to wait to be pruned by someone else coming up or wait to even fall on our face before we get pruned. You know, we can invite that process in. We can ask for it, and it's, and it's a fun process, and it, it bears a tremendous amount of new growth. So, so Papa, we just want to say thank you for your 
your definitions. We say thank you that you stood by what you meant when you wrote the word and when you sent uh, your son to teach us and you sent the Holy Spirit to continually reveal truth to us. You sent your very spirit of truth to come and rework and, and to, to fight for truth in its authentic and original form so that where it's not twisted within us. So we say thank you, Holy Spirit, for the work that you can do within us and that you desire to do. You're always on. You never take a, a time out. You never go on vacation. You're always there ready to, to redefine things for us and bring us into um, a tremendous amount of new growth. So we just say thank you today. We invite you into this process. We want to know how to abide in you constantly. And if there is anything anything at all that is steering us away from abiding in you, Jesus, then we want to know. So come and show us whatever we need to see because our heart is to abide with you constantly. So we love you, we love you, we love you, and we thank you for who you are and all that you do in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life Okay. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com. Okay